Hello listeners, and welcome to A Dash of Salt with AJ. I'm your host, Ahsoka Jackson, poet, author, podcaster, and freelance proofreader. I left off last time talking about how different, and even darker, a path Sasha's life had ended up taking versus what both she and her father had anticipated when she first left home. The daughter who went out to kill titans and save humanity ended up killing humans, depriving other people of their own family members, and being the target of the world at large. Humanity at large. And I think his recognition of her job as a soldier was part of why he could have a forgiving outlook, because her job meant that she was taking other people's lives and depriving other families of loved ones, and in turn she became a natural target for enemy soldiers, which is exactly what Gabby is. But returning to the issue I mentioned a second ago, the changing goalposts for the military of parties, that actually reminds me of something I was discussing with a fellow author, C-Rod42, recently. He felt that the folks in command in the scout regiment really didn't pay proper respect to what they began demanding from their subordinates during the uprising arc. These soldiers, children no less, were expected to go from killing titans to killing people. And at this point in time, they didn't know the titans were also human. The reality is that they quite literally did not sign up for this. They agreed to come fight monsters, not take the lives of fellow human beings, yet they were expected to just adjust and accept that in no time at all. That's honestly a really messed up thing to have done to them. It's like you have the task of euthanizing animals at a shelter, and then one day your boss comes in and casually mentions you'll be euthanizing people too. Not only is it perfectly reasonable to be put off and horrified by such a demand and expectation, it would in fact be rather worrisome if one were not upset by it and did just easily accept the switch to taking human lives. So C-Rod42 wanted to emphasize that dynamic psalm in the later sections of his own Attack on Titan fanfic because he felt that was something that needed to be addressed more. That also harkens back to something I noted myself about Aaron's training sequence with Annie. He made a comment basically wondering why they were spending their time learning fighting techniques to use against other human beings when their job was to fight titans. Obviously those martial arts skills ended up coming in handy for Aaron ultimately, but at the time his comments reflected that being a soldier had a totally different meaning for the people of Paradis. It was about saving people by slaying monsters. And that's the job Sasha was supposed to have when she left home. But it morphed and was warped into something very different over time. And it really started with everything involving the Rice family and overthrowing the government. Well, actually, I guess you could say it started with the discovery that some Titans were actually transformed humans. They still didn't know the reality of the mass numbers of mindless Titans, but they knew that there were people like Annie and Aaron. And in Season 1, you already saw some of the infighting and conflict between the Scout Regiment and the other divisions of the military, the garrison and the military police. And I remember Aaron's comments and trust about the sheer, obscene absurdity of the fact that he was actually on the verge of dying at the hands of other humans when they were all supposed to be united in this battle for survival against the Titans. So really this started before the Uprising arc, but things finally came to a head then. And then during that period after the discovery of the truth of Marley, and up to the present day, the troops finally morphed into what for us would finally be a more normal military before a recruit like Sasha and the others from the 104th era was complete corruption of the job and the role they'd originally agreed to. And they were children for much of that time, to make matters worse. Which brings me to such a magnificent thing that Mr. Browse said. How's the adult's job to solve these conflicts 
and work things out so that the children wouldn't have to carry on the burden of conflicts that shouldn't even be theirs. That. That right there. It's like he actually understands the issue we've been seeing of this unreasonable burn that's fallen to these youngsters. If more people had the sort of wisdom, insight, compassion, and responsibility that Browse had, we probably wouldn't be in such a clusterfudge of a situation right now. But nah, instead we've largely got these cockatrice adults like the one guy arguing to turn a pregnant Historia into a Titan. And now things are going completely haywire and you've got folks like Crazy Zeke Fangirl, and Flock, the red-headed Joker wannabe, running the show. I really miss Marco and Ervin. And Mr. Prowse was able to recognize the tragedy of the situation. I mean, Gabby's like 12, and she's actually out in the field already as a soldier, killing folks. I talked about this before, how in Paradise, the kids start training at 12 and graduate at 15, while Marley has children, these Eldian children from the warrior program, fighting on the battlefield already at 12. And I think that's another thing that really struck Mr. Browse as a father and as someone who had had a child in the military. His daughter was killed by some little girl who shouldn't have gone any further than training by the end, if that. Gabby's a freaking prisoner of war at 12. Heck, you could say there's a double or triple meaning to prisoner, because she's also a prisoner to the brainwashing and to the dynamic of being caught up in all the madness going on that adults have instigated and perpetuated and that even the youngest generations are already being entrapped by in various ways. People like Gabby, people like the children who died in Shiganshina and Liberia, people like Kaya. Kaya, the girl kind-hearted and sympathetic enough to try and help Gabby and Falco, and that's despite Gabby's antics earlier, was literal inches or millimeters away from becoming a killer herself, killing another child at that. And Niccolo himself was shaken up when he finally calmed down a little and considered how close he'd come to doing that. And of course, that makes me think of the dilemma we've already seen with some of the soldiers before. Gabby's a soldier, and a particularly vicious one at that, but folks still hesitate to kill her because she's nevertheless a child as well. Unfortunately, she has no such reservations to worry about, and Falco already had to restrain her from killing Kaya. This whole thing is just an unholy mess and it gets ever more insane. Speaking of which, I'm kind of dreading the reaction of the anime only fans are going to have to episode 14, but I already started making plans for that months ago, so hopefully that'll give me a bit of an edge here in responding to things and addressing them the best I can. If you thought things were already intense, yep, all I'll say is that Isayama keeps surpassing himself in that regard when it comes to both action and emotion. Just don't do the whole social media nuttiness thing, okay? Okay. You know, I think as an ending note, I'd like to briefly say that I really appreciate how this episode handled some super difficult dynamics. And one thing I've noticed is that, while things definitely vary, it seems like with Eastern media, I tend to find a less heavy-handed and sweeping approach as a whole when it comes to topics like revenge, forgiveness, and justice, compared to how certain Western media, like Hollywood television, can be. Like, it's more nuanced and reasonable, and isn't as dismissive or inclined to vilify the desire to punish wrongdoing. It makes allowances for the value of forgiveness and the downsides of vengeance without going to extremes as much. And I have a sneaking suspicion that the heavy-handed approach I see some of the Western content leaning towards is motivated by an acute awareness of how many sins there are to pay for, and basically a desire to make sure that the affected groups never exact a price for this. When you've got centuries of such horrific stuff in the balance, 
It's rather self-serving to beat folks over the head with anti-revenge messages and even bowl about how if you take some sort of revenge, that makes you just as evil as the one who committed the original crimes. Which, as a blanket thing, is something I find extremely insulting and also dishonest. But again, very convenient if your point is to make sure certain folks never have to pay a major penalty for massive crimes. And like I said, it varies. Some Western media takes a more balanced approach. Plus, I do have issues and disagreements with the other side as well, like the tendency towards moral relativism. And sometimes I also see messages there where it's like negative actions, like the taking of life, are treated as all having equal moral weight, with no regard given to the larger context. And you probably get already from my previous podcast episodes that I highly disagree with that philosophy, and I think it's rather unjust. Anyways, I think another fan said that Mr. Browse is right up there with Falco as one of the most pure or pure-hearted folks in the series, and I'm definitely inclined to agree. These are the sorts of people we need more of if we want to be able to work this stuff out and bring the bloodshed to a close. Jean seems like that as well, though he's not on the level of Falco and Mr. Browse in that regard. He's still more of a work in progress, but he does have a great deal to offer, plus has already shown his ability to grow and change over the years. And I definitely stand by what I said in, I think it was my episode 8 coverage, that someone like him really does need a major leadership position. Get some of these complacent, reckless, irresponsible, and pervy idiots out of office, and give Jean the reins. Someone else made a point that Jean is probably one of the most stable members of our team, counting the EMA trio as well, and that he's someone who would probably avoid being either consumed by the warfare or lost in the aftermath of it. And I think that's a really accurate insight about him. Alright guys, thanks for listening to me today, and I hope you've had a great time. If you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe and turn your notifications on us to get updates. And you can help make the podcast more visible for new viewers and listeners by leaving a like, share, comment, or review on whichever platform you used to listen. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal, YouTube, Amazon Music, Social Media, etc. Be blessed and stay salty.